0: We don't do that here. You don't do that. Reporters, friends, family, strangers, they're all going to ask the same thing. What happened? This is a question that's going to follow you. How did you lose the streak? And every time, you're going to answer the truth. Bellevue played better than us, and we lost a high school football game. That's football but it's not you. Don't let a game define who you are. Let the way you live your lives do that. Coach. I truly believe that life's most impressionable lessons are ones where something bad happens to you or something challenging confronts you. I know it can climb into your head and hear what that little voice is saying to you. Is it saying, oh, no, we lost the streak? Well, what's it going to say? After today, you're going to find out a lot about yourselves. And you know something? We're all going to find out what this team is made of. wasn't just any old streak. That high school, the De La Salle Spartans, hold the record for the most consecutive games won by any high school football team. That would be 151 games over 12 years. And on September 4th, at the beginning of that season in 2004, they lost. And that movie, When the Game Stands Tall, is all about uh, that football team and how they went through that adversity. And you know, that was a blow to the community. You know, that, that, was, that was a bit challenging for some people to accept. And actually, for years to come, the analysts would say, you know, what went wrong? How, how, how could they have done better so that they didn't lose that game? And, and for some, their loyalty to the team When as far as the team was on a winning streak, but after the team lost, some of them were not quite as loyal. Yeah, I'm afraid that our world today seems like we've lost the art of loyalty. It's it's like once upon a time, people seemed to be more loyal. You know, employers... Would be loyal to their employees, or employees would be loyal to their employers. It'd be like I've worked here all my life kind of feeling. Spouses seem to have lost their loyalty. I mean, you, you go back to the turn of the 20th century. In 1900, the divorce rate in America was 7 percent. It over doubled by 1930 to 16 percent. Then it doubled again by 1970, 33%. And today, divorce rate is at about 50%. Where's the loyalty? There was a time when parents were loyal to their kids, and kids were loyal to their parents. But gone are the days of Father Knows Best. You guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, abuse has been on the rise. Kids are disrespecting their parents. Somewhere along the line, things seem to have changed. There's this feeling, you know, like, well, as long as we're winning, I'll be loyal to you. As long as our company is making money, I won't lay you off. As long as I'm getting paid what I deserve, I I won't quit. As long as we're happy together, I'll stick with you. As long as I get what I feel I want, then I'll have your back. I'll be in your corner. It seems like in many ways, that unswerving allegiance, that undying faithfulness to others, or to organizations, or to a team, or a church, or even to family members, feels like something that you only see now in movies or things that we look at from way back when. And I wonder, can we recover this lost art of loyalty? Or is it fading into oblivion? I hope not. Well, today we're going to look at another power couple. Today, we're going to look at Ruth and Boaz in the Old Testament, but we're not just going to look at Ruth and Boaz. We're going to get the whole story. We're going to see how Ruth and her mother-in-law went through some pretty challenging times and how, how God provided. And through their story, we're going to see what loyalty is all about. And I hope challenge us to see how we're doing with this precious character trait called loyalty. And so to begin, we'll make this point. Loyalty takes determination. Loyalty takes determination. But let me tell you the story of, of Ruth, the book of Ruth, found just after the book of Judges uh, in your Old Testament. But uh, Ruth, um, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, and her husband, lived in a very trying time in the, in the history of Israel. It was during the time of the judges. And they lived in the lovely little town of Bethlehem. And uh, yet, during their life, a famine struck the land. And so Naomi and her husband uh, made the difficult decision to leave their hometown of Bethlehem and go east over to uh, Moab on the other side of the Dead Sea. While they were there, they had two sons. And those two sons uh, were growing up. And as they were growing up, uh, Naomi's uh, husband died. His name was Elimelech. And uh, the two sons then married Moabite women. And their names were Orpah and Ruth. And then the two sons actually died. Naomi's two sons died. And Naomi knew that her best chance of survival, now that she's a widow and her sons are gone, was that she would move back to Bethlehem. This is the best chance she would have to survive. And, and Ruth and, and Orpah, the best chance for them to survive would be to stay in Moab and find new husbands for themselves there. And so we pick up the account in uh, Ruth chapter 1, beginning at verse 14, where the three women, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, are crying with one another. It's in verse 14, it says, "...and they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her." Orpah was going to go back to Moab and leave Naomi, but Ruth clings to Naomi. Verse 15, "...then she, Naomi, said, "...behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people... And her gods, return after your sister in law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse if anything but death parts you and me. But when she saw, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Ruth knew that she was consigning herself to a life of poverty, saying, listen, I know that we're both widows, but I am not going to leave you. Ruth made an oath before God around this. Did you see that in verse 17? Go back up to verse 17. It says, "Thus Ruth says, Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts me. You and me, and worse, there is nothing worse in that day and age than being a widow. Uh, You would be the poorest of the poor, and Ruth is saying, "Listen, uh, I I am determined to be loyal to you, Naomi, until death do we part." That kind of sounds like something I made a vow on uh, over 27 years ago, (laughs) my wedding day. I remember making that vow, till death do we part. And I've done a number of weddings and that's always in there. Till death do we part. You know what that is when we say that? That is a vow of loyalty. I will be loyal to you. So let me just do a little check here. How are we doing with our marriages? we enduring some struggles. It's not just about marriages, though. I mean, how are we doing with our kids? Has there been struggles? How are we doing with our jobs? Has it been a bit rough? What stresses are tempting you and me to stop being loyal? To recover the lost art of loyalty, I think we should take a lesson from Ruth. We need to realize that loyalty takes determination let's commit to unswerving and unswerving allegiance even when we know we're gonna be heading into things that are pretty difficult you know why Ruth was committed to Naomi because she knew that loyalty knows that two are better than one if Naomi went back all by herself it would be worse for Naomi than if at least Ruth would be with her And that makes sense, doesn't it? Two are better than one. I mean, there's no such thing as a lone ranger person who is loyal. You really need someone to be loyal to, right? I mean, even the lone ranger had (laughs) Tonto. And Tonto had his kimosabe. You know what I'm talking about? I'm loyal to you. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it and you'll figure it out but like the wisest man who ever lived i just love how he puts it this idea of two are better than one king solomon moved along by the holy spirit wrote these words back in ecclesiastes chapter 4 beginning at verse 9 he says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor for if either of them falls the one will lift up his companion but woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up furthermore if two lie down together they keep warm but How can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. And then I love this add-on in the end. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. You want to practice this wonderful characteristic of loyalty? You want to have solid loyalty? Well, we don't have to do it alone. We can be loyal to one another, but if that third strand of God is in the middle of it all, Then we really can practice this thing called loyalty. You know, no doubt what King Solomon wrote here was the mentality of Ruth when she said to Naomi, I am going to be with you. I'll bet, I'll bet you that Solomon was thinking of his great, great grandma, Ruth, when he penned those words, and probably his great, great, great grandma. Naomi. No doubt, he had this heritage of those who went before him practicing loyalty. This was a story that he had in his repertoire when he wrote this. You know, when I was uh, watching that that movie clip, When the Game Stands Tall, it reminded me of when I played on a football team. Yeah, that's right, I played on a football team. (laughs) I played for the Forest Park Middle School Wildcats. All 95 pounds of me, I was a safety. That's why this afternoon I've got this special heart for Haha. <laughs> Fortunately for me, uh, the success of the Forest Park Middle School Wildcats did not depend on me, it depended on us. That we had to work together as a team. That it wasn't just one individual that made sure that this team was a success. We needed to be loyal to each other. We needed to cover for one another. We needed to to encourage each other. Loyalty is a commitment to one another. Ruth's commitment to serve Naomi. And Naomi's commitment to serve Ruth. In that, she knew that if they went back to Bethlehem, Naomi had friends and relatives there that she could hook onto and possibly find for Ruth what would be called a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer in that day would be a relative that would actually make ensure that this family, their name would be carried on uh, when the fathers had died. And so Naomi would work at trying to find Ruth, a husband, to carry on this family line and to rescue their land that they owned. And then Naomi would have her descendants to continue on. Speaking of a kinsman redeemer, into the story comes Boaz. Boaz was probably a cousin of Naomi's late husband, Elimelech. And it's through Boaz that we will learn that loyalty and kindness are two sides of the same coin. Loyalty and kindness are two sides of the same coin. Jump back to Ruth chapter 2 and verse 1. Now Naomi had a kinsman, a cousin of her husband, a man of great wealth, a fam- of the family of Elimelech, her husband, whose name was Boaz. So Boaz was a wealthy farmer. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the fields and glean among the ears of grain, after one who, in whose sight I may find favor. And so she, Naomi, said to her, go, my daughter. So Ruth goes to glean, right? They're very poor. Gleaning is where you basically pick up the scraps from the harvest of, peop- of what they had left behind, and then this is what you're going to try to live on. And in this moment is when Boaz first meets Ruth. And he has heard about Ruth and Naomi coming back to Bethlehem. And so he shows this poor widow and Naomi, the wife of his late relative, loyalty and kindness. And here's what we can learn from how Boaz interacts with Ruth. First of all, loyalty and kindness, they protect the vulnerable if we're we're gonna practice loyalty and kindness we must protect the vulnerable jump down to verse 8 then Boaz said to Ruth listen carefully my daughter do not glean in another field furthermore do not go on from this one but stay here with my maids let your ears be let your I'm sorry your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them indeed I've commanded the servants not to touch you when you're thirsty Go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. A young woman, a young widowed woman in that day and age was very, very vulnerable. But Boaz ensured her protection. Loyalty and kindness does not mean that we just kind of sit passively by and never really make waves that we're just kinda nice to everyone. Actually, loyalty and kindness, it means that we are active, especially when we see those who are vulnerable in our world. As many of you know, I subscribe to National Geographic. It's one of my favorite magazines. This January's uh, issue, though, was a bit disturbing. Matter of fact, my parents get National Geographic also, and uh, they started reading it and decided they can't read it anymore. It's too, too upsetting to them because it's the special issue issue on the gender revolution and how gender is being redefined in our culture today. And you all know that you, you're you're keeping up on the news. And I, I this is one of the one of the times that I got this magazine and read it literally cover to cover, because this is what's happening in our world today. And one of the articles, as a matter of fact, the last article was quite captivating to me. It's titled "The Dangerous Lives of Girls." the dangerous lives of girls. And like in Ruth's day, women, females in our world are mistreated. They are vulnerable. I mean, human trafficking, abortion. I don't know if you realize this, but throughout the world, there's this thing called uh, sex-selective abortions. And throughout the world, primarily in China and in India, they will actually find out the sex of their baby, and if it's a girl, they'll have an abortion. And so, many more girls, rather than boys, pre-born children are killed because of abortion. Abuse? One in three females in our society today will experience abuse in their lifetime. One in three! And we've gotta ask ourselves, what, what am I doing to protect the vulnerable. If we're going to be people who are loyal and kind, then we must see who are the underprivileged of our world, whether male or female, and we must defend them. We must fight for them. We must protect them. So, uh, Corey, by the way, mentioned the whole idea of uh, braven for the haven. That would be a way. In which we could invest in helping the homeless, um, the Crossing House, the Crossing Ministry here in town that we also support. They have this house that they're building for young moms or soon-to-be moms who uh, who are in dangerous situations to protect them. Ron Z mentioned his prison fellowship that he's involved in helping the underprivileged, um, and it doesn't have to be overly elaborate. Like you know, just be friends to people who maybe are outsiders. Just invite them in. Crossfire, uh, the young students, you know, kids are going through some difficult stuff today. Are we willing to help them out? Loyalty and kindness go hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin. And loyalty and kindness never draws false lines. They never draw false lines. Let me explain this by going back to Ruth chapter 2 and beginning at verse uh, 10. Then she, Ruth, fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Boaz, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. And how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Boaz did not define Ruth by her race or her ethnicity. No. Boaz... He, he, he defined Ruth in a different way. I think it could be summed up in the great quote from Martin Luther King Jr. that he gave on August 28, 1963. He said these words, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. You know, in our nation, we have not yet arrived there 54 years later we always talk about skin color and not about the content of character but not for boaz boaz drew the measuring line with ruth not that she was a moabitess not that she was a foreigner but that her but that she was a woman of character and this is how we must evaluate people. Not by the color of their skin, not by their political views, not by uh, their skills or their lack of skills, not by their level of education or any other line, except by their character. I mean, look at what Boaz said about Ruth just a few verses later, down in chapter 3 and verse 11. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will for you. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. When we see someone who doesn't look like us, when we see someone who has a different skin color, or a different eye shape, or if we see someone who uh, who has uh, different clothes that they wear or a strange-to-us hairstyle that they might have. If we're going to be people of loyalty and kindness, we must not judge people by their outward appearances. When we look at them, we must really just have one thought that goes through our heart and mind. And that is, at what level of excellence do they have the character of Christ in them? And how might God use us how might God use you and me to point them to Him and to help them to grow to be more like Jesus? That's really what we're here for. Well, loyalty and kindness, they also require others to do the same, meaning they require others to practice loyalty and kindness. This isn't just a one-person show. Back in Ruth chapter 2, and verse 14, we go on. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain. I absolutely love that. Here's the rich farmer serving the poor widow in the moment. And she ate and was satisfied and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. Also you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles and leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. You know, honestly, when I was working through this part of the text, I, 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 I wrote down, you know, that they require others to do the same and I so wanted to write, no, 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 no. They don't require. They demand that others do the same. That we strongly urge everyone among us to be loyal and to be kind. And when we see that they are not, we will not tolerate it. In any way that we can, we want to influence others to recover the lost art of loyalty. And so we teach, and we encourage everyone everywhere to practice this, and we want to show by our lifestyle an example of what it means to be loyal and kind. And you know why we need to be passionate about this? You know why we need to really be strong about this? Is because loyalty reflects the character of God. Loyalty reflects the character of God. So I don't know if you realize this but Ruth actually proposed to Boaz. (laughs) Seriously. And, uh, And Boaz responded and, and, and answered her that, yeah, he would be willing to marry her. Jump over to chapter 3 and verse 9. He said, now let me, let me set the stage before we start reading. Uh, Boaz, he actually is sleeping and Ruth comes in by him while he's sleeping and she startles him and he wakes up and he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid for you are a close relative. In other words, you I want you to be the kinsman redeemer. I want you to Marry me and, and, and have your protection over me. Verse 10, then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now, it is true that I am a close, uh, excuse me, a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Now, this is a little glitch. Boaz has to work through and I don't have time to read the whole glitch to you but you can just read it from then on all the way through chapter 4 and verse 12 and we will pick it up now at verse 13 jump down to verse 13 of chapter 4 so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son then the woman said to Naomi blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today that kinsman redeemer uh, and the Redeemer is this little boy that was born. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you, to you a restorer of life and a sustainer in, of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and, and became his nurse. In other words, she took care of him as well as Ruth did. The neighbor women gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. And so they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Ah, yes. You know, when things were rough for Naomi, she didn't see the loyalty and kindness of the Lord. And yet, in the end, both she and Ruth saw it clearly. Go with me over to the book of Psalms, Psalm 136. Actually, you don't even if you have a Bible, you don't have to turn there because I'm going to have it up here. I want us to read this out loud with one another. Just read it with me out loud. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His loving kindness is everlasting. To him who alone does great wonders, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And this phrase repeats itself over and over and over again for 17 more verses all the way through Psalm 136. When we are loyal, when we practice loving kindness, we reflect the character of God. So, how are we doing? With that. Students in the room, younger people, or in your relationships with others in school, who, who aren't really like you, you know, they're not really in your group. Do you reflect the character of the Lord and offer them loving kindness? With our coworkers, even those we don't naturally click with. Are we viewing them and making evaluations? And if we are, is it only one evaluation that we're making that's running through our minds and hearts where we're thinking, now wait, at what level of excellence do they have the character of Christ? And how might God use me to help them to know Him? For those who are vulnerable in our world, the preborn. The poor, the homeless, the immigrant, the abused, the underprivileged. What are we doing to protect them? How are we involved? King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 29.7, The righteous care about justice for the poor, and the wicked have no such concern. And for those who are closest to us our family members our spouses our brothers and sisters our kids our parents even when they don't treat us with kindness or respect or love will we choose the hard road like ruth chose and will we practice the lost art of loyalty to them. How about our church family? (laughs) Our brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we loyal to one another? Are we loyal to the local body of Christ? The church? His church? Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't call it quits. But be determined to be kind. Be committed to carry out the character of Christ. And never stop working at recovering the lost art of loyalty.